Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand what the other side knows. Our mission, to make government contracting better, one contract at a time. Today's episode is sponsored by ProPricer, the number one proposal pricing and cost analysis software used by federal agencies and small to large government contractors. Are you still using time-consuming, error-prone spreadsheets for your cost proposals? Or are you frustrated by the limitations of your in-house pricing tool? There's a better way. Your pricing tool should not hold you back. It should have your back. That's why eight of the top 10 defense contractors turn to ProPricer. We were helping one of our small business clients, and ProPricer would have helped them a lot. As they increased their size of the contracts they went after, things got more complicated and their spreadsheets got more complicated. This would have saved them so much time and reduced a lot of their risk. With solutions for small businesses to prime contractors and everything in between, ProPricer offers something for government contractors of every size. Visit ProPricer.com slash podcast to learn more or to request a demonstration. You'll be glad you did. This week's episode is about the source selection decision, how a winner is picked, and how that decision is documented. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to describe the source selection decision. We are the source selection decision. It's the final step in the source selection journey. So this is where the winner is picked. It's the final final stage. So when are we talking about acquisition time zone-wise? This is zone four. This is the very end of the source selection zone. What specifically are we talking about? FAR time, FAR 15308. This is the source selection decision. So we, we've we talked over many different episodes of all the different pieces of FAR 15.30 something or other, and we've made it to 308, which is the actual decision. So this is the last step, the final stage, unless there's protests, of course, of the source selection <laughs> process. And this is the point where the source selection authority, who we will call the SSA from here on out, this is where the SSA is making the final decision on who won. And the decision has to be based on what? On a comparative assessment of the proposals against all the source selection criteria in the solicitation. So it's not just, I want to pick this guy. It's based on what's in the proposals versus what you asked and what you said you were going to evaluate in the RFP. And and we've been talking about the importance of understanding things like the evaluation criteria and and the overall RFP for a lot of our podcast episodes. And so this is yet another example of why the proposal is so critical because that's what they're using. It even says that, assessment of proposals. And so let me give you a a good example of how this feels, is that as I'm writing two of these that I did, source selection decision document that I wrote that the clear winner was based on having a technical advantage. They had great past performance in history and a good price. And there were lots of cut and paste elements that I could take from the evaluation documents that showed how they differentiated themselves from the other offers. So that document, when you show it to the winner, he loves it. When you show it to the loser, he can live with it. The bad example is we had one that the process was not managed particularly well. We had less than awesome proposals, I'll say it that way. We had several proposals that were basically deciding between a group of less than awesome options, right? So like the winner was green. And so it was messy. So now when the winner gets that document, he's like, oh, oh, hey, I won. And then the loser's like, wait a minute, this guy isn't that good anyway. And see, they see the difference and it ended up in a protest and messy. 
So that's why this document is is worth the discussion, is worth understanding the importance of it. And this is not at the end here, it's not the first time you talk about it. So all right. right. So, so that, that's that's you led us right to this the the next piece. So this the source selection decision that we're talking about, it has to be documented. And there's actually a source selection decision document that is part of the file. So the SSA, they're they're gonna use all of the source selection reports and analyses prepared by the source selection evaluation team we've been through many times, but the actual decision represents the SSA's independent judgment. And that's an important thing because that's why there has to be a separate decision document. Otherwise you could just take the ratings that, that the source selection team has prepared and Go to the top one, and that's what you pick. But because there's independent judgment involved, you have to document that in a decision document. So what's in that document? What's in the SSDD, the source selection decision document? <laughs> More acronyms. Yeah, this is, the, this is the source selection authority's rationale for, for their judgment and for any trade-offs they made or relied upon. And this can be tricky. Um, I, I had one where I had to explain that we used a third party's test facility and I relied on that, which that's – I'm using the emphasis there because that's in the FAR. It talks about what did you rely on. Well, I relied on this, this third party's test facility and the reason I did that, I didn't want somebody to be able to protest the fact that I wasn't a material engineer, that I didn't have the background to tell whether or not this material was going to be able to handle the stress we put it under. I was saying I relied on this third party who is capable of testing it. And that was part of my decision. So that kind of specificity, it's it's art as much as science. You have to tell your story. And in this case, I had to make sure that I showed who I relied on to make that judgment call. So there's that explain why thing again. If you picked a higher price proposal, if it's not the lowest price proposal, you have to explain why that higher price is beneficial. What what benefits come with those additional costs? So the rationale for the source selection decision has to be documented. You don't have to quantify the trade-offs that made the decision, but you have to explain them, at least in relative terms, right? And the example would be the source selection authority doesn't have to say that the 10% better speed for this vehicle results in what I believe is a 4% better price. It just, you don't have to get into that specificity, but you do have to be relative if this vehicle performed better because it had a higher speed and that justified the higher price. The details, I mean, I'm, I'm really simplifying it, but the details of that are going to be elsewhere. I mean, they're yeah. going to be in the- you better, the do, so- you better do more in the decision document than saying- the the additional $1 million gives a benefit to the government that outweighs the increase in price. You better do more than saying <laughs> that because that's not going to convince anyone that you made the right decision. You better get a little deeper, but you don't have to explain all the math. You don't have to actually lay out the math, right? Yeah, because what we don't want to get into is is making this a 15-page document. Is you know, think, in, think in terms of simplicity. And you you can – Put that if you think that ten percent is the is the absolute answer, then then you can. But it just it gives you the latitude as the source selection authority. You don't have to basically you know give them a table because <laughs> they're trying to avoid that. We went we want the judgment part. This is a thinking job. Once again, here's another example of the thinking job: is that these are people doing this and understanding that from the contractor's perspective. Is you should see people's thinking in this document and. Hey, contracting officers, when they don't see thinking, that's when they think that you just pencil whipped it and, you know, there's your protest party. (laughs) So that gets us to why this is so important. 
this is the final step, and this is where you're you are justifying your decision. The source selection decision document gets a lot of attention. If it's written poorly, you could have a protest just because you didn't explain things well enough. It's a one-page document that has impact that far outweighs its size. It's, that's kind of how this yeah. feels. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to say it. And uh, contractors, if you go to a source selection debriefing and you're not given a copy of the source selection decision document, it might be have some redactions in it. But but if you're not given a copy of it, you should ask for it. That's that's the first thing you should ask for. And you might not get it during the debrief. They might provide it to you afterwards. But you should, in any competition, be able to read the source selection decision document. And, yeah, and again, this is another example as, as a contracting officer that isn't listed as something that they're entitled to in the debriefing. But you know what? It makes your job easier if you give it to them. And, and Or how about this? If you're thinking about somebody seeing it all along the way before you write it, it's going to make it a better document in the end. Right. That, Remember, if they protest, that's the first thing that they're going to ask for in the protest. They're going to read it anyway. Just in yeah. a more, they're going to be more pissed off when they read it. <laughs> There you go. There's going to be more adversarial. Right. So specifically, why should the government care about this? Right. This is this is one of the first, if not the first document that contractors are going to look at to to understand your decision. It's something that can close the loop nicely. Um, It's not something like I just talked about. You you don't want to do this the day before award. You want to be thinking about it the whole time. and what I mean by that is I've actually had this conversation looking at the evaluation report. It, like This could be three weeks before I wrote the SSDD, sorry, source selection decision document. As I'm looking through the evaluation uh, reports, I think, oh, that's something that would be re- – it's a really good differentiator. It's well-worded. That's something I can use for the source selection decision document. And be thinking about this because this is – this is the cherry on top of the ice cream. It's the very last thing you put on top. And you got to be thinking about where that cherry is going to go before you build the pile of ice cream. Yeah, and in co- major systems competitions that I did, so the source selection authority is making the decision and it's their decision document that they sign. But if the source selection authority is some high muckety-muck, it's very, very unlikely that they wrote their own decision document. You know, as the CEO, I usually wrote the document, and they might edit it, they might provide it, but really, they're just signing it. But that's what why in on the government side, you can prepare all through the source selection to to write this this decision document. It's not something that's written on the last day, and it's a great opportunity to make the complex the whole source selection process simple. If think about it, if if you can explain why company A won and why company B, C, and D did not in one page. Number one, I, I agree, that's hard to do. That's why, it's a, that's why this, is, this is a thinking job. Um, but simplicity is, is a great way to be able to focus your energies. So this is a great example of that, is try and make this a simple document. Don't get in there with 17 examples and, and a table and all that kind of stuff. Think about how could you so, show someone this document or how could you interpret it as a contractor and say, yeah, we lost, but it sucks, but I, I get it. Next. That's the best case scenario for, for as a contracting officer is to have the winner go, yeah, I see it. And the loser say, oh, I don't like it, but uh, I get it. And they yeah. move on. And that's a lot it's, harder to do than, than, than you think. I mean, right? yeah, it, it's, it, yeah. I remember back from, from like MBA days, writing a one-page paper was much harder than writing a five-page paper because you have to take five pages worth of thoughts and cram them down into to one page. 
And for example, this podcast that you and I do, it, it's taking an entire section of the FAR and explaining it in 15 minutes or 30 minutes or less. It ain't easy sometimes. <laughs> so, so, and so think that the source selection decision documents, the same example, it's the same process. So the big takeaway for the government is ignore doing this well at your own peril. Because this, like we talked about, this is the first thing they're going to see and it... They're, they're going to read into it a lot. <laughs> so the clearer and smaller, smarter it is, the better off you're going to be. Which leads us right to why should industry care? So this is the final step. This is why you won or lost in, well, as little as one page, might be more, but this, this is it. So for me, got to remember that the decision is the SSA's independent judgment. So this is actually where shaping the acquisition, all your your careful work along the way shaping this thing can pay off because you got to remember the source selection authority, they have to review all of the evaluation information, but what if they're all pretty much equivalent? What if what if every company's proposal is yeah, sort of green and the prices are all comparable? Well, the source selection authority still has to pick one. Do they pick a company that they've never heard of or do they pick you? And this is this is where if they've never heard of you, it's too late now. <laughs> and this is a great example. I, I love your, your point. And it's a great example of the 80-20 rule. This is a 20% relationship. Is that you don't get all the way through this process if you don't understand the competitive process. You don't understand how to write proposal. You don't understand how to evaluate criteria. You don't understand how to manage clauses. All that stuff, right? But at the end, yeah, there are times, lots of times, that the shaping, the understanding of the customer knows who you are, all that marketing you do, this is where that relationship pays you off. You still have to have some right. relationship in there. It's not yeah, all you, yeah, process. Yep. And it's, yeah, I, I think it's all relationship is risk and think it's all process is risk. It's, there's both. And great <laughs> job pointing out where this could really be the difference of how you, you know, you win by a, by a, a horse's, what they call that, uh, we win by a nose. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you win by a nose, you still won. Another thing for industry if, if you wrote a good proposal, you'll see quotes from it in the source selection decision document. This is a, a, you know, a good thing to remember. You're writing that proposal. You need to make it easy for them to cut and paste your differentiators into their decision document. So you give them all the reasons why they should pick you, and they use those reasons to justify their decision. And the last thing, remember, if, if you're the winner, you're reading this decision document with Probably a great attitude at the time. Yay, we won. The losers are reading it through different eyes. So if you're the winner, you can get a good idea of the the probability of protests based on how well that document's written. If you if you won, but you it's a pretty crappy rationale, if it's not really explained why you clearly won and why everybody else clearly lost, you gotta understand that the losers are gonna jump on that and they may protest it. Because they don't understand. So it's to everyone's benefit to have a strongly worded, a well-written source selection decision document. Well said. I can't add to that. <laughs> then let's wrap it up. Government side. This thing, like I just said, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but it needs to tell the story that the losers understand or they'll protest because they don't understand. And they'll protest until – they understand. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, and that's, and I've, I've been through, again, raising my hand because I've done these poorly in, at times in my career. And they keep coming back with more questions, more questions. And a lot of that stuff was, it was explained in previous documents too, 
the source selection decision document, but for whatever reason, because I was trying to pencil whip it, or I was just trying to, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, it's obvious to me. But if it's, it needs to be obvious to them, and they'll, they'll keep, they'll keep digging until they get an answer they can live yep. with. Obvious, not, not just to the winner, but to the skeptics as well, right? <laughs> well said, yeah, to the, to the, to the mythical cynic. So use this to tie a bow onto the contract award. That's already a great present. So use this source selection decision document to tie a bow on a great contract award process, not to cover up holes in the wrapping paper. I mean, you can't really just plant this thing over top of a mess and, and hope that it works out. You've yeah, got if you to did a horrible job following the rules that you set up for your source selection, you ca- you're not going to save it by writing a brilliant decision <laughs> document, right? They're going to see right through that. And if you're on the industry side, Remember that this, this the source selection decision document is not going to give you all the information that that you want to know. It's not designed to be the debriefing. There's you you get more information, but that document must present the SSA's rationale for the decision, and it should be understandable to everyone involved, the winners and the losers, so that everyone's confident that the government made a a a fair evaluation and correctly picked the best solution for their needs. Per the RFP. Per, per the RFP. Let's drop that little nugget in there. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us today. If you like the Contracting Officer Podcast, please tell a friend. That's how people learn about us. Yeah, the, the best way is to copy the, the link from your, uh, from your computer or to share it uh, through your iTunes or whatever listening device you use uh, for listening to it on your on your smartphone. Just share it with somebody else, forward it to them, text it to them, whatever. But that, yeah, that's the best way to share this information that we're giving away for free. And if you think it can help somebody, please tell them about it. Remember that the topics that we talk about are largely driven by listeners. If you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Remember, if you need help with the government market, visit skywayacquisition.com. We help you know more, do more, and win more in this government market. We have training. We have all kinds of proposal support. You name it, we can cover it for you. So give us a call. We'd love to help you. All right. Talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. That's it for this week's episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.